This is the Pain Information Network, Episode 14. Well, I'm at the World Institute of Pain, and I have with me today uh, Dr. Justice. I have uh, Dr. Stan Helm and Dr. Matt Rupert. <clears throat> These folks are experts at adhesiolysis. So what is adhesiolysis? When you have back surgery, even if you don't have back surgery, you can get scar material in your back, and it can tether on certain tissues, and it hurts. So when you do have back surgery, we can do certain imaging, we can do certain tests, and we can see this uh, scar tissue and this uh, formation of scar material around nerves and the like, and we got to do something about it. And certain maneuvers we put folks through, we kind of get a sense that, yeah, this is a problem. Okay, enter Dr. Gabor Rax, Texas Tech University. I don't believe many people realize that there are jewels in, in certain places that you'd never expect, like one of the best pain centers and development of one of the best uh, pain-producing uh, uh, educational entities is in Lubbock, Texas, at Texas Tech, run by Dr. Gabor Rax for many years. It's now run by Dr. Day, turning out fantastic physicians. Uh, Dr. Justice is a uh, graduate of that fellowship program. Well, so Dr. Gabor Rax develops this procedure called adhesiolysis. It will basically, what it is is we uh, put folks uh, in a certain position, clean their back with uh, soap, sterile technique is observed, and we place a small little specialized catheter in a space called the epidural space. We've talked about epidurals. But we put it where the nerves are as they exit the spinal cord, and that's the segmental nerve. And if there's scar material along the way, we try to break it up. We use uh, chemicals and uh, specialized materials to do this. Now, you're going to hear Dr. Helm and uh, Justice and Dr. Rupert talk about these. And I'm going to do a little bit of a glossary for us because um, physicians sometimes sit in a room and we forget that we're talking doctor talk. We're not talking uh, in legible terms. So, for example, you're going to hear adhesiolysis. Adhesiolysis is breaking up of that uh, scar material. Uh, lysis of adhesions. Uh, it could be a little bit of scar material. It could be really significant. But that's what we're doing. And we're taking this small little catheter. We're using specialized chemicals to help do that. Another one you're going to, uh, chemical you're going to hear, another one of these uh, terms that we throw around and <laughs> we don't really explain it, is uh, hypertonic saline. Hypertonic saline means concentrated uh, saline. Normal saline in you, normally running around, is 0.9%. We use hypertonic saline at 3%, relying on its osmotic properties or its pull of fluid and uh, other uh, uh, desirable effects uh, to better uh, uh, challenge the tissues around it uh, uh, to uh, affect our adhesiolysis or breaking up these adhesions. We also use hyaluronidase. Now, hyaluronidase is that stuff that a bee stings you and you notice that you got a little red mark around there or an ant bites you. That's the effect of uh, hyaluronidase or it breaks up ground uh, uh, substance and it allows uh, their uh, little poison or whatever it is to migrate between tissues, but it also breaks up adhesions. So that's a little bit of background of what we're talking about. There's some other things we'll be talking about down the road, about local anesthetics, about uh, how we uh, look at the post-procedural 
expectations of adhesial lysis. But I'm going to let these folks talk. These guys are experienced. They speak around the world on this uh, topic. They're very uh, good knowledge sources, extremely well-trained. Hence, we're at the World Institute of Pain. So I'm going to turn it over to them. We're at the World Institute of Pain today, and I'm happy to add Dr. Matt Rupert to our uh, panel. This is going to be a roundtable discussion today. Uh, Matt's a world-class instructor and leader and uh, was invited here to give a lot of his expertise on uh, certain very important uh, things we do that are on the advanced side of uh, treatment. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt. Thank you, Hans. I appreciate the introduction. I am a, an interventional pain physician. I've been practicing for 10 years in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm formerly an engineer before going to medical school and have interests in treating pain anatomically. Yeah, well, you know, being an engineer, you have a completely unique perspective to the mechanics, uh, particularly of the spine, and that's where your uh, focus is. Uh, tell me what you're talking about here. Well, what we're going to talk about today is lysis of epidural adhesions or a mechanism of using a non-invasive catheter technique to help free up nerve roots from being entrapped and hurting. All right, a lysis. Now, I'm, th- I'm thinking here lysis. That's, a, that's kind of a weird word. What, what is it and where did it come from? Well, the term neurolysis actually was developed after the institution of a medication called phenol to be delivered on the dorsal root ganglion to help with nerve pain back in the early 1980s. It's actually advanced from that to being a methodology for breaking up or lysing adhesions um, surrounding nerves and helping those nerves be free from entrapment. If people haven't smelled phenol, it it is incredible. It's a nose opener. Um, it, it's uh, something we use to deaden nerves because uh, it is so potent. We used to do that stuff. It's like a hand grenade. We just put this stuff on the nerve and hope it goes to the right place. Now we've got better ways of doing things. So tell me a little bit about what type of problems you'd want to do this lysis of adhesions. Well, the lysis of adhesions has been proven to be beneficial for patients with chronic radiating pain. Typically, patients who have this that do not resolve with simpler modalities such as physical therapy, typical causes might be disc herniations. And oftentimes, uh, these are patients who have had prior surgery and have failed those surgeries. But the nice thing about the lysis is you don't have to fail surgery in order to get benefit from it. Well, and failed surgery means that uh, uh, you, you've, had your, you've had your surgery, and now you've either got some scar material or what we call epidural fibrosis, or you've just got residual pain. It's just it's not going away. In fact, some of that scar material can actually sit back in the spaces that used to be kind of gliding are now tethered. So you twist and bend, and it hurts. Isn't that about right? That is. That's a very good description. Okay. Well, um, I'm also uh, pleased to have Dr. Justice back. And uh, Dr. Justice, you do a lot of this too. And to my right is Stan Helm. Stan Helm and Dr. Justice speak uh, nationally on this stuff. And uh, they they have a unique perspective that can go a long way with us. Well, Hans, uh, thanks for inviting me again. And I'm here with Stan. 
I actually do perform a, a epidural uh, lysis of adhesions. Uh, um, basically, as as Matt was mentioning, I, I pretty much similar. You know, first I, I'll try injections on my patients, and if they fail these injections, I, I proceed to more advanced procedure. That's not saying that. You know, we have to wait till injections fail. But typically, I'd like to do more conservative treatments uh, and then move on to the, the lysis uh, portion of it. Um, Stan, how do you, how do you, how's your patient selection when you do these? I think our understanding of uh, lysis has changed a lot over the years. Originally, we were focusing solely on scarring, and we looked at diagnoses such as post-lumbar surgery syndrome, where we knew there was going to be scarring. And now there has been some high-quality studies. That have come out showing that it's effective with disc bulges with or without uh, pain or uh, evidence of weakness or uh, sensory changes in the legs. So we're looking not only at treating scarring, we're looking at treating any patient even if we don't see the scarring. This is a major change uh, who have these problems. The current algorithm should be that any patient who's not responsive to conservative therapies, meaning physical therapy medications, uh, epidural injections, who has persistent back and leg pain should be given a uh, adhesiolysis procedure. Right. And um, so when we give, um, you know, this uh, adhesiolysis a go to patients, uh, we look for specific things. Now, Matt, before we do this, what kind of diagnostic tests do we like to get? Well, Hans, the treatment of all patients really develops around the understanding of a good history and a good physical exam. A majority of these problems can be found through physical exams, and oftentimes patients understand these limitations as reproduction of their pain when they move their legs into certain positions, and they can feel movements of their legs causing pulling on their back. We have similar findings in the cervical spine, and then on top of that, imaging modalities that are popular, popularly used today, uh, such as MRIs or contrast, contrasted CT scans, can be very beneficial to understanding what's going on three-dimensionally. You know, Matt, um, when I do this procedure... <clears throat> A lot of times I talk to my patients about their, their risk factors associated with the procedure itself. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of patients are very worried. And I tell the patients, really, the risk is, is not that much. There is a small risk of, of some of the medications that we use. Uh, for example, hypertonic saline could go into the subarachnoid space. Uh, and there is a potential risk for that. Uh, I, I did write a, a case report on that uh, not too long ago. And uh, the patient did have some, some factors that... Uh, that were associated with it, possibly with the hypertonic saline, but really that is probably the worst risk uh, that can occur. Uh, a lot of times I'll tell my patients that uh, you may have increased pain after the procedure, and that's normal. Uh, you know, if we're if we're in there breaking up some of this scar tissue that we can't see, or even if we don't see scar tissue, sometimes we we can uh, lead to increased pain, uh, but that usually resolves uh, within a matter of days to to at most a week. Yeah, that's uh, often misunderstood too. Um, these procedures, they when we say they hurt, they don't really hurt. They're uncomfortable because we've done something. And um, if there is something uh, out there that uh, doesn't have uh, a side effect or doesn't have a little bit of residual discomfort, um, it it's it's almost like, uh, well, what did you really do? But uh, say, Matt, um, 
when we're doing these procedures, what is what is something that you're going to expect afterwards? Because no kidding, we're we're going in there. We're really trying to get something done. We're trying to um, make some changes without doing surgery, without doing something drastic. But uh, you know, we got to talk people through the next few days. That is a great point that you bring up. And just to add, there was a very nice study done at a university setting where they correlated the positive results with injection therapy, particularly in or in and around nerves for radiating pain, with the amount of discomfort that the patients had. So feeling a little bit of pressure is very normal. Pressure is sometimes perceived as pain, but we don't we don't necessarily consider that to be a painful procedure. Uh, when we do the lysis of adhesions, sometimes patients require a little bit of uh, sedation. Many patients that I treat do it with completely under local anesthetic only. The soreness is usually not any worse than the pain that they came in for, and the resolution of any of those uncomfortable issues is, as Dr. Justice mentioned, well within a week. Now, when you have an adhesiolysis procedure, sometimes people think that it's a big different thing. It's not. From the point of view of the person having the procedure, it's very similar to having a uh, epidural injection. You come into the procedure room, uh, you lie in your stomach, uh, you may or may not receive uh, any sort of uh, medication, just as Matt was saying. Your back gets cleaned off, and the procedure can be done anywhere in the spine. It's most commonly done in the low spine coming in by the tailbone or the uh, sacral hiatus, but it can be done uh, higher up in the lumbar spine by a variety of approaches, or it can be done uh, in the sacrum. It can be done in the thoracic region or the cervical region. But Commonly, it's uh, done caudally, so your lower back will get wiped off. You'll feel a little sting where the local anesthetic comes in in your buttock, and the needle will be placed into the um, caudal canal, and then the catheter advanced to uh, where it needs to be done. So your uh, pain physician will direct the catheter to the area where uh, the pain is. This is usually identified as one particular nerve root on one side, and at that point, they'll uh, put in some medication. Uh, now, it, all the medication may be put in in the operating room, the procedure room, if you're having normal saline given. If you're being given hypertonic saline, then it's important that you be given some local anesthetic, and then you're allowed to rest for about a half an hour in the recovery room to make sure that you don't have any weakness of your legs. If you do have weakness in your legs, then that means the local anesthetic has gotten into the subarachnoid space. Nothing wrong with that, but we don't want to put any hypertonic saline there. So we stop the procedure at that point. If not, the hypertonic saline gets injected. Uh, sometimes this procedure is done on a two- or three-day basis. You will be given some exercise. We call this neuroflossing to do at home. That basically is uh, just stretching the nerve roots, things like lying on your back, bringing your legs up 90 degrees, then maybe spreading the legs, bringing them back together down, bringing your knees up, just things to stretch the nerve root so you can help the, uh, uh, what I call the hydrostatic uh, lysis that's occurring in your back uh, by pulling on the uh, nerve roots. And that can be very, uh, that's a very important part of the procedure. So all in all, it's a simple procedure. 
It's safe. Uh, it's not a big deal. There's an awful lot of evidence supporting its efficacy, and it's a procedure that we all are very excited about. I would agree with you 100%. I think the key points to remember about a lysis of adhesions procedure is that it, although it seems like an epidural, it is a much more targeted approach to deliver uh, some various different medications. The key from the provider standpoint is to be able to steer this catheter under the use of x-ray guidance up to the target location. Then once the and once that catheter is in the targeted location, then there's not much more to do other than to deliver the various types of medications. I'll let Dr. Justice or Ralph talk to us a little bit about the medications. Ralph, uh, what do you think about this uh, lysis of adhesions with hypertonic saline leading into all this other stuff? I mean, what are we doing? What is hypertonic saline? Well, uh, hypertonic saline essentially is is uh, is saline that's that's in, in essence hypertonic. It's ten percent saline. It's it's higher concentration uh, rather than uh, normal saline. Now, Stan mentioned earlier. You don't have to use hypertonic saline, and, and I agree. However, I think hypertonic saline offers lots of advantages uh, over a normal saline. Number one, uh, the advantages are uh, theoretically it's supposed to decrease swelling around the nerve. Dr. Justice, uh, you know, we, we hear this uh, stuff kind of thrown around like uh, hypertonic saline and things we put in there uh, to help us with our procedure. Um, what is hypertonic saline? What are we doing? Okay, well, hypertonic saline essentially is is a concentrated form of saline. Uh, we inject it in, in a ten percent concentration. Uh, Doctor uh, Stanhill mentioned earlier it's it's not necessary you can use normal saline, and, and I agree. However, I, I think uh, you know, the fact that we're using hypertonic saline it has a lot of beneficial effects uh, that normal saline does not have. Uh, number one, the, the theory behind it is uh, you're injecting a, a hypertonic solution, and, and by the process of, of osmosis. You're, you're, you're bringing fluid into that epidural space. You're also uh, you're, you're removing some of the swelling around the nerve root itself. So those are some of the mechanisms that, that are proposed. Uh, I also propose a, a mechanism that the hypertonic saline has a neurolytic effect around, around the membranes, particularly the peridural membranes. And I think this, this neurolytic effect also leads to some pain relief. And, and Stan, maybe you could talk about this also, what, what, what your opinion is on, on these effects. I think you're bringing up a point that is very, very very important in that it explains why adhesiolysis works not only in cases where you've got scarring, but in cases where there may well be no scarring. It um, is by, uh, you can get pain with inflammation of the nerves or pain with inflammation of these membranes. You mentioned, for example, the peridural membrane. Alternatively, there can be inflammation in the nerves in the front part of the uh, epidural space, which is, you know, toward the stomach. It's away from the back, and it's not an area that gets uh, affected, say, if you have surgery, but it can still be a source of pain. And this treatment with things like hypertonic saline, the other medications, can treat that and that provides an explanation as to why it works even when we don't have scarring. Yeah, and you know, I I guess when we throw around terms like uh, normal saline, that's what's normal in us, and it's a real low percentage of uh, salt water. Uh, 
and it's running around in our blood. We have to have the right concentration. But if we give somebody a lot of a concentration or hyper, meaning a lot of, um, we start to see things pull because there's more on one side. It's going to pull on the other side. And so the thoughts are that, well, it decreases inflammation because it pulls fluid and pulls other things that can cause inflammation. So I guess that's that's some of the thoughts of hypertonic saline. That's pretty much it. And what happens, if you, you go back, I don't know if you've ever had some wine in a um, leather container and you put it in some cold water or brook maybe to cool it off and you discover that the wine gets watered down. And that's the same thing that happens with the hypertonic saline. It brings in fluid into it to uh, water it down. And when you put in hypertonic saline, it actually takes 11 times as much volume when it comes down to normal saline as it did when it was hypertonic. And that adds an extra uh, water pressure force in terms of uh, influencing thing, in terms, and also uh, in terms of uh, killing the... Uh, uh, the uh, nerves that uh, can cause the pain that Ralph was talking about. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listen, uh, I know you guys have to run again, but that's fine because uh, you're out there educating and making a change in the world. And uh, thanks again for joining us. And there you have it. I was going to call this the Stephen Hawkins episode because these guys are so smart and um, they're you know, they're communicating the way we communicate. And um, I appreciate their input. Let's uh, let's have you start to think that there's a lot of ways to treat pain, and some you don't know about, but you know you you know we're always thinking, we're always thinking for you and trying to help you. And uh, the feedback is greatly appreciated. Anything at paininformation.com you can send us, either with uh, show topics for the future or some information that you want us to talk about. If I don't know much about it, I'll find somebody that does. And also leave us a, uh, a review at iTunes. It really helps us. And once again, um, thanks for your input. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.